Greenberg. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me here. Of course, of course. Uh, so you got this Mama Zoo album coming out, right? Uh, At the end of the month? Yeah. February 24th? Uh, 23rd. 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 Okay. So what is the background with the album? Like, how did it come about? Um, essentially, me and Jesse Zazu mm-hmm. from Those Darlings, we were going to do um, a band after Those Darlings. Like, we split up... Uh, Technically, we split up in 2015, but we couldn't tell anybody for a little while. So we yeah. did like our final tour uh, beginning in 2016, and then she and I were going to proceed with a different band um, and did, didn't know what it was, didn't know anything. We were like, we want to keep doing something. Um, and we work well together. At least it felt like it still. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, unfortunately, she was she was diagnosed with cancer um literally the day like we we did our final show with darlings like in march i don't know sometime in that vicinity yeah and we were like let's take off for like a month and not think about anything and then we will get together and make a plan for what you know what we're gonna do next and literally the day we were gonna do lunch um was like the day things kind of started to go south in um in a sense like she'd mm-hmm. gone to the doctor and then they didn't really know what was going on with her and then i can't remember that that day like I remember she called me and i went and picked her up from the doctor's office she was just like i'm scared i don't know what's going on like they don't know what to tell me but they want me to go see this other person um and so then I feel we went to a hospital and set up my phone. Oh, you're good. Um, set up like a like an appointment for her to go see someone. And then she started to get testing. And then kind of within like a week or something, she found out that she had cancer. Yeah. And so um, anyway, that's kind of the backstory. Ultimately. Yeah. But then we... Uh, you know, she's like, well, I still want to play. I, I still want to work on these songs because she had some songs that she'd started. Bef- um, I feel like before we were done, before we were done touring. Mm-hmm. And then we had some song like. When Darlin' said record we, before we broke up, we went in the studio and recorded like 15 or 20 songs or something. Oh, shit. Like we went in and we made an album like not realizing that we were gonna split up before we were done with this album and then so you know we had kind of the deal that the band made was like people can take their songs um and so we had like a bunch of those songs that were like we want to do these a um a second time um and try things a little differently so either way we had a ton of stuff that we wanted to work on and we were putting together songs too um but we actually didn't start recording anything until um kind of the end of 2016 like she did our first round of treatment throughout the summer um and she just was like i don't want to i don't want to do anything Uh, you know let let me get through this yeah and then i can focus and then and of course too like we were just thinking like um you're gonna get treated everything is gonna be fine 
And at the time, that it, it seemed that way in terms of what the prognosis was. And she kept everything a secret, too. Like, really, no one knew she had cancer except for, like, a small circle of, of people. Because um, she didn't publicly say anything until she found out that it had spread. Which that, she found that out, I think, in September or sometime in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, which was when we started working and some people are like did you start working then just out of you know out of like a fear of it not being able to get done and my answer is like no that's just you know that's what the schedule was um that's just what we had planned it was just kind of a, a bad coincidence yeah yeah so um how much of that was done before she had passed well we I feel like what is on this album was more or less finished uh, in some capacity. Like, it needed to be cleaned up a bit, Mm -hmm. um, and there was some stuff. But, like, you know, we had made rough mixes of everything. Um, So everything kind of, like, we were at the point to where we wanted to share it and see if we could shop it around. Sure. but then we had like a bunch of other songs that we didn't finish that weren't done that we were and kind of the deal this record it's like I was trying to pitch it as like almost like a compilation in a way because I feel like sonically like there are there are punk songs on it there are like things that are a little more spacey and synthesizer kind of based um so it's not just like there's one sound to everything and I had like kind of pushed her on this idea of like we don't have a band; it's just the two of us. Like we don't we don't know what we're doing necessarily. So like, if a song seems like it can go a certain way, let's just push that as far as possible. Like if it's a punk song, let's just do it like that. Let not, it be what it is. Yeah, yeah. And then I figured I was like, if we can record like twenty songs, there's going to be twelve of them that are going to fit together, and then that can be the record and then everything else that sounds different can be its own thing after the fact um but then we didn't we just didn't finish everything um it was a bunch of kind of like when i went back and started working on everything again there was like a bunch of songs that uh i'd kind of forgotten about because you know like a demos that weren't really completed or just like an idea like oh i've got a chorus and so there'd be like a demo for like part of a song and there was a lot of things i wanted to go and work on but it just it wasn't really possible i mean i would like sit and try to do it but like taking vocals from a demo and then putting them on top sure, of like yeah. a track that i'm making from yeah. scratch studio magic yeah and yeah. sometimes it just that just doesn't work yeah. you're not serving the song that yeah way. yeah and then i just think like she would kill me if i you know like some vocals from a phone yeah. And that could work. Yeah. Sometimes. But then you're like, why am I doing this? Well, why am I a- focusing on this? Alex Turner, I'm I'm a really big fan of of Arctic Monkeys and they he had recorded a bunch of demos on a Tascam three eighty eight for um Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino. Have you listened to that record of theirs? I, I don't know anything about Arctic Monkeys oh. other than I know they're like they're really popular bands. Yeah. Yeah. I think I can name one song. Yeah. Um, well, he recorded a lot of it just him. So 
Arctic Monkeys is a four-piece, but he recorded pretty much everything, and then they tried to go into the studio, and he couldn't get the same magic with the band yeah. as those original demos, which yeah. happens sometimes. Yeah. So they just basically mixed it. I mean, they did overdubs and everything like that, but it's kind of interesting because it's like you're trying to follow this song idea and let it find its final form, but hey, whatever. Taylor, you just lost... Uh... I think there might be a short in your cable or something. Oh, no. Oh, is, is my back? Yeah, okay. Ready. Sorry about that. Thank you. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, um, you're trying to, to have this song take its final form, but sometimes along the way, you just hit a, a roadblock or a stopping point. It's like, I don't know how to take this any yeah. further. Yeah, I feel like with demos, there's like... Uh, like for this record we kind of worked in a weird way where like it just kind of made sense but she sometimes she'd make a demo on her phone of just like singing and playing uh just like a little snippet of the song but like here here's an idea i kind of have and so then uh and then i would make a demo um of me like making a track of like what if it sounded like this and then i would sing it um and then send it back. But I try to make the demos like as fast as possible. So literally it's like you get the gist of like what uh, of what the sound is, you know, or like these are the elements that I think would make this interesting. Like, mm -hmm. a, you know, like some idea for a bass line and a beat and then a keyboard part or something. And maybe she'd add something on top of it. But I feel like in the past sometimes you make you make demos that you think are better than they actually are. Demoitis. Um, which, like, sometimes you're right. Because sometimes it's just, like, it feels a certain way. It's not like it sounds better. It's, like, a better take. But there's just, like, a feel to it that you never get back. And sometimes I feel like the only way to avoid that is if you just never work on it that much. Like, only get it done to where it sounds like, all right, I, I can see where this is going. But I'm not going to try to work everything out to where it's, per you know, I've got like every single part completely there because then I feel like you run into that of never being satisfied. And you, you also kind of create these parameters for what the song is, too. Or you're like, no, this is what the song is. We have to do it like that as opposed to going into it like without thinking too much. Yeah. And yeah, letting it f kind of find its way. And I feel like if you play a lot of instruments... There's a kind of a control thing that happens where, like, you want other people. I've been guilty of this before where, like, maybe on a demo you play everything. But then when you're recording with a band, you want the drummer to play exactly like you, which unless you're playing, like, a drum machine part, you know, that's that's completely stiff and it's just exact. It's, it's impossible. Yeah. Because everybody has their own little feels. And, like... You just have to get over that and realize, like, you can't control everything, and you have to let people be themselves, and then live with the result to a certain. Like, you know, you as a produ if you're a if you're the producer of the song, you can kind of push things a certain way. But yeah, you're you're obsessing about this thing that that's in the past that you can never get again, and you're wasting. You might as well just just put out the demo. Yeah. At that point, yeah. I, most I, people would be like, why is this so special? Yeah. Like, why does this thing sound like shit? Well, I think, for me, I try and think of it like a movie director a little bit. 
you know, I, I Quentin Tarantino is one of my biggest influences. And I always like that he cast the right actor in the right role, saying yeah. that dialogue. So it's like when I do a demo, I try and do a, a sketch of what I want the part to be and then hire the right player that will highlight yeah. the proper feel yeah, and to bring it fully to life. Because I've definitely been guilty when I make demos of trying to make them perfect yeah, and like make them exact, which... At that point, it's like you said. Like, you might as well just you, go to the studio you, then yeah. or just be like, this is not a demo. This is going to be what the song yeah. is. Yeah. So what was the experience like of fit trying to finish the album up and picking which songs you were going to do? I imagine it was kind of a bittersweet process. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the songs, I kind of just went with everything that seemed like... Um, it wasn't going to be Im- impossible because there was, there were a couple of songs that, um, just there was one song that we'd actually played with Darlins on tour called Sleep on It that I just loved. And, um, we had recorded it and like, it sounds fine, I guess, but, um, I wanted to do another version of that and I tried like taking the vocals from it and then just building out and then, it just didn't it, like it just didn't fit, you know. Mm-hmm. And then um, I feel like I spent a couple of days like trying to just make that work. And I had somebody come over and play piano because I'm like maybe this is like a this is like a piano. Ba-. I was th- almost thinking of it like a spoon song. I'm I'm sitting here talking about a song you've never heard before, but uh, um, and then you know just sitting here listening to it, and I'm like, why? You know, I'm like, why doesn't this work? But then I was like, it just doesn't work because it just it just doesn't. Like, yeah. it's not. The only way to do this would be if she was still here or to have somebody else sing the song and have, like, a band play. And then I feel like that kind of cured me of, like, all right, I'm going to stick to what, like, kind of what we were focused on, you know, at the time. And then just things that seem like they're not going to be impossible to come in and tackle and I'm not going to kill myself. Yeah. You know, Cause that, you know, it's kind of key of just like, I want to be comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> like, not just feel like I'm, uh, kind of going in circles and feel like I make actual progress. Yeah. But it's like, it was weird. I didn't, uh, I didn't want to do anything with any of the stuff for a while. Like, I don't know exactly, but it was like, cause Jesse passed in 17, like fall 17, and then I feel like in two, 2019 or something, I started thinking about it again. And part of it was like, I was, I just wasn't having fun. I, I maybe had done some sessions or just done some things where I was working on projects that I just didn't, um, not to speak in a disparaging way about anything, but like my heart was not completely in it at all. I just didn't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I just started thinking about, I was like, that's, you know, there's all these songs that are just sitting there that I do care about. And then I had been feeling a lot of guilt about it just not getting done in the first place. But then for the longest time though, it was like, I'm, I'm the only person. Um, so it's not, you know, it didn't seem like there was a, there was a purpose to it necessarily other than for posterity. But, um, yeah, this is the way, like I worked a little bit on it. I feel like in 2019, I started to kind of, pull stuff up and then 
try to work, but then it just felt uh, like anytime I'd start working on a song, it was just like, I'm like, do I have to go to therapy after I'm done today? Because it was just like, you know, really exhausting in a different way. And then, so then I just put it away and I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I can do this or I, I need to get somebody to help me. Um, and then, so then it probably sat for like another year and a half more or less. And then, um, in 2021, I was like, all right, this, this has to get done. Cause I would just think about it constantly, like probably for like a, just a blip of a moment, like every day I, it would come, you know, it was like Simone just like showing up at the door being like you haven't finished this yet yeah. you, you, you have to finish this and so then um basically right when i was like all right i'm just gonna dive in on this and like it's gonna be painful but whatever who cares this has to get done or i'm gonna go insane and then but i started to get busy again um because like sp- spring into the summer of 21 like people were touring again and stuff was happening. So then it was like when I'd come home, I'd spend a couple of days working on a song. And then, um, then it seemed well, I was really focused on it. I kept having to go out of town a lot. And so then I was like, God, this is just one thing. after. So the other. it was a lot of stopping, like, starting, yeah. stopping, starting. And then, um, Part of the slow, I feel like I would have maybe could have gotten done a little faster, but like, um, I'd I kind of took everything that I had at first and then was was gonna master it and then just so I could share it. And John Baldwin, uh, who was the person, uh, was like, hey, if I were you, I would, um, it's just a couple of sounds. He was like, I think in safe place to stay. Uh, he's like, there's some bottom end sounds on here that are just like, I don't know, they're peaking, you know, here and here. And I just like went in and I hadn't listened to the song that closely in a long time. I was like, yeah, this actually sounds bad. So then I'm like, I'm like, all right, I'll just go and mix the song again. But then when I went to mix it, I was like, finding a lot of problems and just things that I'm like certain sounds that weren't cutting through and I'm like well this this sounds not good so I just need to track this sound again and then I ended up kind of picking apart a basically every song I'm just going to go through and see what's actually going on here and so then it, it took me longer I thought it would be like like a two-week thing where I'm like I'm just going to go in and remix and tweak stuff and then it turned into like what a day or I'm like, I'm going to mix a song was, was I'm going to track all day. And then I don't know if other people have experienced this before or not, but like, I feel like I would listen to the songs because like, you know, if you're practicing or in the studio with a band, you rehearse everything. You do a bunch of takes, and you sit in the room together, and then you hear, listen to the playback, the best and, one. and you talk about everything that's happening. Yeah, and because it's just me, sometimes I feel like I would, some days I just sit and listen to the song like over and over again, because I was trying to like I was so caught up in um, a lot of the personal thing, you know, because like when I would turn the session on basically, and then sit and put the headphones on it was like i was being transported back 
to this other time period. Yeah. And all the feelings and all those things were just like happening to you. And then I'd be like, all right, this is, I, I got to get my head clear. You, you kind of get lost Can't in it a focus. little bit. Yeah. yeah. Or like I'm making choices like that are more like, like a, based on sentimental reasons, not like, but this part's bad. This part has to go. Sure. You know? Um, and so it, I don't know, it almost took me a while. I had to go in and like, um, kind of, I don't know, like, like kind of acclimate with the songs again so I could think about them in like a non-biased kind of yeah, way. Like a producer's mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Which is where I was when we started. Yeah. And then you get so far away from it because of everything that happens. Yeah. Um, or just like feeling like, oh, you know, well, if I if I do this, that's going to take like half an hour and then I'm going to have to do just thinking about it in this, this really silly way. And then at some point I was like, you know what? If I don't finish this for another five years, it doesn't matter anyway. Yeah. Like no one really even, even knows about this outside of a couple people. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, I don't know. It just took like, uh, uh, also I'd never mixed anything before. So then I was kind of like learning on the fly in a way. Like I recorded a lot of music in 2020 and one of the regrets I have about the pandemic is like the way that I behave during it is like not if there's another pandemic. I I know exactly what I'm going to do. You have a plan this time? Because yeah, everything I did in 2020 is not going to happen. Well, again. hey, it was our first pandemic. Yeah. It was a first go around. It was a learning experience for everyone. Cuz like looking back on it, I'm like I should have just started then. I should have shut myself off from everything and worked on that. Almost like I'm just going to pretend like it's 2017 again cuz it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and not sure. care about anything. Um, and, but either I was like just so stressed and like just feeling insane because you like, you don't know what's happening and then you're out of a job and that you know all yeah. the stuffs that going on and um just feeling like kind of desperate and like uh you know like a ship without a sail or whatever for sure. But the way I kind of would cure my craziness, I would just try to work on a song like every day. Or like like a something like some, um, like a clip of something. Even if it was just like oh, I've I've got a guitar part, <laughs> so I'm hey, just gonna sit and work on. This. It's all about the small victories. Yeah, and then at least I'm like I need to be practicing and like um I'm, I need to be doing something. But then kind of through that I was I was mixing all the songs I was doing. I was kind of recording like. Kind of this idea, like I'll I'll record a bunch of kind of kind of backgroundish stuff that like maybe could go in a TV show or a podcast or something, or I could collaborate with somebody else, or somebody could sample it, do something with. So I was kind of trying to I was kind of trying to record a bunch of music that sounded like something somebody would sample. You know what I mean? But that was old, and then someone could cut up, and then use as a beat or whatever but like i um i got way more into production then because i mean i didn't have anything to do and normally like mix wise someone else would always do it because they're better and i was like i don't care to figure out how to do this yeah <laughs> you know, for sure just, i hate i hate looking at screens i hate being on the computer yeah. i feel like when you're working in pro tools it's just like 
lots of screens and then screens within the screen. Yeah, you're you having know. to click on shit, make it drop down so you could see. Yeah, yeah, so much. And, like, I don't know, my anxiety levels, uh, I feel like I get a little claustrophobic being a, when I would be looking at a screen for too long. Yeah. Some, like, weird way. Um, but, you know, eventually I got I got over that. But um, anyway, I, I kind of, like, figured out a lot of that stuff in 2020 and just got a little more comfortable. So then when I started working on that stuff again and you know for budgetary reasons as well of just like if i would have done this in a proper studio or if, I, if it would have been finished in a proper studio with somebody if i would be paying somebody the day i don't know how much money it would have cost me but it would have been way more money than i had yeah um especially if you're just thinking about like i'd i might spend an entire day with the song just playing and me not doing anything necessarily you know recording like a single part yeah, and just um, listening to it over and over it, again. It wouldn't have been like a cost efficient thing. So ultimately, like I need I need to do this by myself, and I could work whenever I want to as well. And I have like a little studio in my house, but it's not like it's nothing special. You yeah. know, it's enough to get the job done. But um, I feel like I'm getting way off wherever we. No, from. no, no. Um, but. Yes, yes. Somehow I just, yeah, I'd pick, I'd be home from tour and then I'd just pick a couple of days during that week if I had off. I'm like, all right, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to wake up, I'm I'm going to walk the dog and then I'm going to go in, into my studio as, as if it's my job today and I'm going to sit and work on this stuff. Yeah. Um, and then eventually got done and then, yeah, I guess I, I basically finished it like summer during the summer of 21 and then um buddy Hewen who he uh we recorded all the basic or most of the basic tracks with him um and I'd work with him with Tristan uh as well um he was mix he had mixed some of the songs prior i i liked the way they sounded and so i was like hey i'm gonna remix these other seven songs do you want to you know do you want to tweak these things on these other four um and i had gone through and kind of tracked some other things and sent it to him or whatever and he's like i'm just gonna start from scratch on these again because i feel like i'm better than i was when i did it then as yeah. well um well you got those reps in during covid yeah yeah, that's the one, one of the positives. Um, and then, yeah, eventually it gets finished and then got it mastered. And then there's like probably a year and a half before it actually comes out, maybe even longer. Yeah. Cause there's like a delay, you should be shopping it around. And then I guess sometimes, or some people are like, man, what took so long? And I'm like, well, I really only worked on it. 2017 and 2021 yeah but then there was like a year and a half in between where it's like done but it's just sitting there yeah and you're not telling anybody about it what did it feel like when you finally finished it i feel like i was actually i had an interview with someone earlier today and i was like saying how lackluster of a feeling it was because like um you know i like texted John Baldwin to be like, Hey, everything's done. I'm going to send it to you. You master it whenever you get a chance, you know, it's out of my hands now. Um, 
And then, but then I just remember thinking, I'm like, should I go out to dinner? Yeah. By myself? Yeah. I don't know. It just, it just felt weird because like the person that you want to celebrate it with is not there. And so then, um, it's not, you know, it was, I, I didn't do anything. I felt, I was just glad that it was, that it was sure, done. Fair but enough. then I also was like having these second thoughts where I'm like, maybe I should change this thing. And maybe I, should, maybe oh, yeah. I could go, I was like listening to a couple of the songs. And I'm like, oh, that, I think that keyboard part might be too loud. And then you have to, you have to cut yourself off because if you continue, I feel like if you don't have a deadline, uh, if you could just do it forever. If you're like me, yeah, you will obsess over everything forever because there's time to do that with. Like, like when we when Darlin's recorded "Screws Got Loose," we did it, um, in maybe like ten days or something. You know, it was oh, like shit. a like a two week kind of session. Where'd you guys do that at? Uh, we did it in Georgia at, um, at the living room, um. And I don't actually don't know if the living room the living room is not where it was. Uh, I don't know if it still exists though in some form. But went to Atlanta. You know, we stayed uh, in like a shitty kind of hotel, and the engineer at the studio. I remember like the first day we told him like where we were staying, and he was like, "Why didn't you just ask if you could stay with me?" I've got a house with like extra bedrooms, <laughs> and we were like, "Well, we didn't, we didn't know you well enough." Yeah, yet. yeah, yeah. Come on, Ed, and uh, it, was, it was just funny. And then because the place hotel we stayed in, it was just like it was like an extended stay kind of place. Oh yeah, and it wasn't like bad, but it just it wasn't nice. If you're somewhere for two weeks, you can find a lot of problems. Yeah, for sure. But like, I got bit. Um, I got bit by something like one of the night I woke up one morning and uh, just had like a bunch of bites on my neck and it almost looked like a bunch of pimples, but they were just like all on top of oh, each other. Shit. I don't, I don't know if they were chigger bites or like uh scaby. I don't, I don't even know yeah. what it was, but I just woke up and Jeff Curtin, who was the producer, he and I were staying in a room together and was like, Oh my God, what? What is that? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. You just woke up and it was there. Yeah. And then I didn't know what to do. And so I like, I wore a bandana for like the next five or six. Everywhere we went, <laughs> I just had like this bandana on that was covering up. And it was like the end of the summer too. It was hot as hell. Yeah. No, there's no reason to have a bandana on. Um, anyway, that being said, like we were, we were in Atlanta for about 10 or 12 days or something. And we did the whole thing. Um, and then, and then we were done. Yeah. Cause like we were working on a schedule and like we had to tour, like everything was already planned out in the future, you know? And, and they were like, we want this to come out in the springtime of whatever the upcoming yeah. year was. So it's like, you need, you know, and then you know, you're looking at a schedule. You're like, well, we have this block of time and this block of time. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you're forced to get your shit together and just figure it out and then, like, get as much done as possible. Um, which is a really fun way to work, I feel like. Yeah. If you know what you're doing. Yeah. Well, especially... getting along well. Yeah. When you have other people there, it can either be a hindrance or it can... You can get something done quick. 
Um, I w- I fucking love that record, dude. Uh, it's it's incredible. But my my buddy Kurt, I was living in Maine at the time, and he he had sent it to me. He's like, yeah. check this out. This is a band in Nashville. Um, and I think at that point maybe Be Your Bro was out and Screws Get Loose, like the title track yeah. was out. And he sent it to me, and I just remember seeing the video and you running on oh the Korean God. Vets Bridge. Yeah. I didn't. I did not want to do that. Really? Yeah. Um, but he he sent it to me and was like, "You should check this out. If this is what's happening in Nashville, this is where you should move." Yeah. So that kind of was what put in my head that I wanted to move to Nashville. Was That's funny. Was me running across? The yeah, honestly, the it was it was like a combination of a couple different things because, like, I had kind of lived all over the U.S. Like, I lived in Colorado for a little while. I lived in Florida, North Carolina, all these different places. And at first, I thought I wanted to move to Memphis, and then I kind of heard Nashville was a happening thing. The Black Keys were here. Jack White was here. That was right in the beginning. It was post flood. Yeah. Um, and he had he had sent me those darlings and said check this out i think you would really like this music and um yeah man it was it was always something that was really inspiring to me um and kind of had impact on me fucking moving to nashville and i when i moved here you've been you've been happy with oh yeah i have to live with that guilt no dude it was it was the best decision (laughs) i ever made but uh i moved here at the end it was august of 2015 yeah. Um. And you guys had. I had just got here. I think you had just announced like yeah, your final run of shows. Up. Yeah. And I was like, damn, fuck. Um. Yeah. And I know. Uh. Justin Collins from Justin and the Cosmics. Yeah. You guys were doing some shows with them too. Yeah. They did the first leg of that of the final tour. I yeah. Think. Yeah. But um. Yeah, man. Uh. To nerd out a little bit. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm a pretty big fan of you guys you know i think and in a lot of ways you guys are a proto band for i think a, a lot of what is happening in the east nashville scene today yeah um and it had a huge uh a huge impact on me what i feel like i don't know what's going on in town anymore there's there's still a lot you know i i think i, I have my hand in a lot of different pies so to speak because i do the podcast yeah. um I play bass, so it's like I've for the past couple of years. I haven't been super active, but I'm in a band called TH3, which, by the way, we're playing February 16th at Springwater. Come see us. Um, it's our first show in a couple of years. Um, played a little bit down on Broadway as well. How, how does that go? Um, it's nothing. So here's what I'll say. It's nothing I've ever had to do full time. So I enjoy it whenever I go down there. I just get a call from my buddies that reveal, and they're like, yeah. yo, do you want to come play today? We need someone. And what kind of a show are you doing? Like a set of covers for like a, a crazy amount of time? Four hours. Four hours. Yeah. Do you, do you take breaks? Um. So <laughs> typically they ask me to come down. Like Dustin, he's a singer and the bass player. He also plays drums. Yeah. And it's typically whenever their drummer Ian can't make it because Dustin won't go over to drums. But we can. They're not long breaks. It's like enough to go take a leak. Like yeah. Dustin can play a song, just him and guitar, and sing a song. Yeah. We'll sing like two or three um, to give the guitar player a break and to give me a break, and then we'll all go back up there. But yeah, I mean, I like it. It's fun. It's can be stressful though too because 
for me, the stress comes from like making sure I have the songs learned. Like I took it very fucking seriously when they asked. Is there me like to do a it. is there like a list that but you basically are pulling from every time? Yes and no. I mean, you're gonna be playing "Sweet Home Alabama" yeah. for sure. There's certain songs in the set that it depends on whoever the singer is. Right. So it's like, is it going to be hard for them to sing? Yeah. Like, Josh from the reveal, he doesn't want to do, like, Sweet Child of Mine. I was just going to say, if somebody who can't un- sing... Unless someone uh, wants to pay. To, someone has to do Sweet Child of Mine, and then yeah. you get up there and bomb it. Yeah, well, he he's like, I, I don't want to do that, or, like, Enter Sandman, because it's hard on, hard on his Sandman voice. on Broadway? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's... Oh, my God. It's a lot of that. Like, whenever I've played with them, we've always kicked it off with, like, Cocaine by Clapton or Tush by ZZ Top. Something that'll ease us yeah. into it a little bit. Yeah, you're not going to play Queen right out of the gate. No. Uh, yeah, I think I've never played on Broadway before, but I, part of me, like, wants to do it. I just, I like, uh, I like the challenge of just playing a ton of songs, um, I like I like being in environments too where like if you're playing like a private party or like a wedding, it's like different than a typical show situation. Like everybody, everyone's just there to have fun, for you sure. know. And you li- you can play whatever you want to, and nobody's gonna give a shit. And everyone's partying, and I feel like the pressures on you as just a player. There's no pressure in a way because even if you are not getting through the songs well if people people are probably still having fun because it's like people from out of town that are just there to have drinks and it's just it's the it's the complete opposite of like um if you're if you're used to kind of playing a set on tour or something where like every you know where there's no space in between the songs and everything is bang bang from start to finish and uh it just requires like a different kind of focus I kind of like playing songs that I don't like that I that I'm not fan of as well. So maybe that's like a little twisted. No, but, I get where you're coming there's from. Some, there's like there's there's something interesting about being forced to like learn stuff that you don't like, and then sometimes in turn you like sit and you like develop an a, an appreciation for the songwriting of like certain people have that just come at it from a different place. Yeah, well, you start to notice. At least for me, and I, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm no, like, Broadway diehard. It's like I have a little bit of experience, yeah. enough to kind of, like, get my feet wet and have an idea of what it is. Yeah. Um, but you start to notice where, like, oh, I've seen this before. This is what this is. Yeah. You can start to predict changes even if you don't know the song entirely. Yeah. Um, if you know the vocals, I feel like sometimes you don't have to know the chords because you can feel... Where if the melody's like leaning a certain way, you're like, I think we're going to the four now. <laughs> yeah, well, like, we were. I have an example of that. So, like, when I was playing uh, at Big Machine, that that's where I've played at. Um, and by the way, all the like, I, I didn't know they had a bar, but all the bars are just names of like people or labels. Yeah was really funny yeah 100 <laughs> percent um i had this experience where uh the what the person who ran sound she wanted to do 
um, hit me with your best shot by Pat Benatar, yeah, I think. Yeah, Pat Benatar. Um, and I never played Good that song. song. Yeah, it's a great song. But um, I figured it out kind of on stage. I was like, how does it go? And this was like after the third go around of me playing with them. Yeah. Like there's certain songs that I just tanked, dude. But um, <laughs> And then if you are in that situation, do you just, do you, do you keep playing? You just fight through it. Just you stay and you just pick a note and you're like, like, I'm just going to, I know the tonic of the song, so I'm just going to play that note, but up high. Well, it's. It's hard as a bass player because you can't really, there's no faking it. Yeah. And like sometimes we'll play Sh- Sugar We're Going Down and we don't always drop D on it. Like the original, that? uh, that's Fallout Boy. Um, we're going down, down, and earlier. I don't know any Fallout Boy. Yeah, songs. yeah. It was like What's a big that? song, like 2004. Yeah. But um, yeah, so sometimes it's drop D and sometimes like they just play it standard. Yeah. So I'm kind of like looking over at the guitar player, like, yo, did you drop D? And then yeah. if he's dropped D and I'm not, if I didn't have like time to tune down or didn't get whatever, I'm having to adjust on the fly. Yeah. Um, and not play a, a bunch of fucking clams. But yeah, there was there was a time where I, I just shit myself on stage, like playing that song. Um, what are some other hard ones? I always tell people like playing bass, because I feel like bass players uh, unless you're flea or like one of these other kind of people that are super famous people look at the bass player like uh you're i mean it's always a joke i can't think of one on top of my head but it's the the bass player is basically treated like they're not even a part of the yeah for sure um and maybe there's a reason for that i don't know but like when the bass is good everybody feels it you know like the bass and the drums and the vocals to me are what makes a song yeah because you can play that with you know you can kill the guitarist and the keyboard player uh and still have those elements if it's a good song people they can fake their way through a song yeah but bass even if it's a simple song like if you play an f and it's supposed to be a c you know, yeah. you're playing like a bottom F, but you're supposed to be on a C. You can't really see, even if you save yourself quickly because uh, of of the physics of the actual sound. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like shit. And everybody, everybody hears that. If you play an F and then you're like, oh, shit, it's a C. Uh, it sounds like you're doing like a, you know, like a suspension. Like you're I mean, going unless you're in, playing jazz. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can get away with it, but bass, like you kind of have to play every beat of the song in a way. So like you don't stop playing. Although I, I feel like I try to drop out as much as possible. Cause I love it when, you know, it, this is like a classic move where the second verse, like there's no bass for the first half of yeah. or something. But generally you kind of play the whole time and like a guitar, you can just hit chords, yeah, and let them kind of sing and ring out, and you're still playing along with the kick drum on on bass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you start fucking up, if you're like supposed to be hitting a bunch of notes, if you like don't know where you're at for a second, it's like a bunch of bad notes. Oh yeah, and you stop playing. It's like, well, this sounds fucked. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's so it's so much harder and like. If if you do your job, people don't like. No one knows. It's like defense yeah, on a football care. team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People only care when you fuck up and and the and the QB is getting sacked. And yeah. then it's like, oh, this guy whose name I've never heard of before. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's the most important player on the team. Yeah. Or it's like when Chiefs 
going since we're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. The year the Chiefs uh, played against Tampa Bay and got slaughtered. Pat Mahomes like had zero protection. Like he he literally ran for his life the entire game. Yeah, just because his line he didn't have any bone on, on the line whatsoever. Yeah, but like whoever the starters were on that line, I I, I don't know. I I couldn't pay somebody to tell me who those people were. That yeah, were you know, outside of like a like a pundit on TV. Or yeah, maybe an actual coach. But I bet fans of the Chiefs could not have named those people. But they were the most important people, yeah. apparently. Yeah, no, it's 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 definitely similar to uh to playing bass for for sure. I think there's I, I I've had so many like flashbacks to times where I just totally ate it on stage. Like when I was growing up in Maine, there was this guy that I played with at this music school. It was like kind of like a school of rock kind of a deal. Yeah. And but we would do all. It was like an ensemble group called Taking It to the Streets. <laughs> it was like four piano players, uh, two drummers. One of them would do percussion. They yeah. would switch off on songs. Were you guys playing concerts like in public, like on the streets? No, no, not not on the or... streets. We we play at venues. Yeah, but there's this which are on streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so. There's this one particular one we were playing in Freeport where L.O. Bean is. Yeah. And we were doing Midnight Train to Georgia. Do you know that song? Yeah. Yeah. Like Gladys Knight and the Pips. And it, it's like... And these are uh, kids playing the kids, song? Kids, yeah. Um, who, so, who picked the song out? So uh, my teacher, Matt. Yeah. He was like... So he picked like, out I'm all gonna, the songs. I'm going to give you guys a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> For real. <laughs> who knows how to sing? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna really put you to work. Well, it was like all these different kids from around Mid Coast, Maine, that were pretty much like the best at yeah. where they they were at their school. And, um, dude, I shit myself like the first four bars of that song. Yeah, he stops, he leans over, he covers <laughs> his microphone, he he says to me. I'm going to need you to get your shit together. <laughs> oh and God. then he counts off the band again. Dude, I fucking nailed it. That's funny. I was like, I feel like saying that to a kid on stage is like, that could go either way. Yeah. I need you to get your shit together in front of all these people. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, cause in rehearsal. Did you learn how to play the song? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Dude. Like, and of course I did. Back, back then it was like, you, your brain is just not fully developed. And I was so overconfident in my abilities all the time. Yeah. So I was always cramming, like, right the night before rehearsal. Yeah. Because, like clockwork, it would always happen. I would bomb at the rehearsal. Um, like, the, the week before, we would have one more rehearsal, and I would have to go in and either kill it, or I would bomb again completely, get chewed out by Matt. He would basically just tell me how disappointed he was whatever how old are you at this time i was like 17 yeah. yeah but this it, guy's got big expectations for but this you know what dude after school program band. it it really made me a strong musician because he yeah. was he was a professional musician it's not easy to be a professional musician in maine because there's not much of a market there it's basically you teach lessons and you have a wedding band yeah so he had all of these charts from his wedding band yeah so that's how a lot of the song selection came well, and he would he would do other songs too. Like, yeah, it was all sorts of stuff. It was basically all sorts of top forty through the ages. Yeah, um, we also had like these Beatles groups that we did. 
Um, and there was like this group of younger kids where they were kind of like elementary school, junior high. And I also played bass in that just because yeah. there was no bass players around. Yeah. Um, and it was really fun. Like it, it made me a, a musician because it was like all the teachers that taught at the school were all of these incredible players. And it really taught me what it was like to be around musicians at a young age, like yeah. working musicians. Yeah. And um, on the East Coast, it's a little bit different. Like in Nashville, I've I've had one gig where I had charts with actual notation, and it was a guy who came down from New York yeah. and like book booked me. You what know? kind of stuff was it? It was um, so he was uh, it's it's like uh these Grateful Dead tunes, but they're in the style of like soul music. It's like him on keys. Yeah. And then me on bass and then a drummer. So it was a three-piece. Um, and we play these Grateful Dead songs. Like, we played uh, Tennessee Jed. Yeah. Um, and a bunch of other Grateful Dead tunes. It's like lo-fi soul, kind of. Yeah. It's really cool. And um, he had a bunch of originals that we played it as well that were more straightforward, like, just feel-good, like, yeah. vamp kind of tunes. Um, but yeah, he had charts. He gave me charts. So it's like I can read. I can't like sight read great. But if someone gives me charts in advance, I can play along with them. Yeah. Figure it out. I can't. I never really learned how to read music. I took a piano class uh, for college credit. Um, but it was like a one on one class. But it really. All I really did was play scales because it was like it was basically the class. Like if you were going to. Uh, maybe get into classical. It would be like a class you you know like you. I feel like half a piano is just learning all the skills. You're like learning all the diatonic modes. And, yeah, yeah. Just getting getting comfortable with all that and like didn't really. I didn't learn any songs necessarily. Like all the all the exercises were like were basically that you know. Yeah. But like I could read for certain like that three month period I could. You know, by the end of it, I feel like I, if I saw something on staff, like, I could play it. Well, it's, then that, that was literally the only time I had to do it. And now if I look at uh, music, I mean, I can kind of figure it out, but it's like the amount of time it takes, it's pointless. It's it's uh, definitely a muscle. Like, if you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. The more you do it, the I can't better. see the core. I literally have to look at it and... Okay, that, that that okay, that's this yeah, you know, that's an F right there. Yeah. It's, I mean a lot of it is just you see something over and over again and then your brain just knows what it is. For sure. Sight, well, but. it's like reading um a sentence versus reading a letter. You right. know, like for a long yeah. time I can I'm reading letters on that page. Yeah. I'm not not making words. Yeah, I, I can I can read words, I would say, but I can't read full sentences. Yeah. Especially in a room full of people. Like playing with other musicians at the same oh, time. Oh yeah, if other people are waiting on me. Yeah, yeah, can't do it. But um, yeah, it's it's definitely um a scale. How long have you lived in Nashville for? Um, I moved from Richmond. Uh, I I think like in two thousand and two or three. Um, but I I lived in the borough for a while because I finished up at college. Uh, I went to, I went to Middle Tennessee from. Uh, like oh three to oh five or something. I only had a couple of years left. I can't even remember. I always get mixed up. But I mean, I've lived in the great area. I lived in 
Murfreesboro then, and then lived there a couple years after I got out of college, and then I was just touring a lot, and it was so cheap to live there. I was like, why would I move? Sure. But then when all all your friends leave, uh, town isn't like doesn't feel the same. Yeah. Um. So like I said, moved down here in two two thousand eight. Okay. But like we, you know, I would come down here uh, pretty constantly. Just to see shows, like when I was still living or when I was going to college, because mm-hmm. there was always shows. A lot of sometimes there'd be a show there, and then the band would be down here playing the next day. So we would like see a band at a cafe there, and then come down here and see somebody play, you know, at the end or or wherever. Sure, yeah, which was kind of fun. So was that like the time period that those Darlins had started? Yeah, we were still living in in well the. They started the band, I think, in 2006. Okay. And I didn't start playing with them until 2008. Um, and they, when they started that band, they were doing covers. Uh, there was a restaurant um, that was on the square that they started playing at, like, on Friday or something. And they were doing, they were doing Carter Family songs. And Nikki and Kelly would clog as well, which they had these boards. Like clog dance? Yeah. I mean, I guess technically it's clog. I don't know. Maybe there's a proper term for it. But yeah. Like that was like, that was part of it. There were, there were some songs where, yeah, because there was, there was no drumming. And I think Kelly had learned how to do it when she was a kid somehow. And Interesting. then, um, and the way they would do it, like it fit with the band. You know, because that was the beat of some of the songs, yeah. basically. Um, and so, yeah, they, they started the band then, and then it started to get more serious. Um, and then I joined, like, right around the time when they started to tour. Um, like, they got management and stuff, and just, you know, they had a lot of things that were all kind of popping up pretty quickly, and then... They needed a drummer, and um, I feel like, I mean, I feel like they just wanted somebody that they were friends with, basically, who, uh, like, I already knew, I'd seen them play a ton, and uh, I, me and Nikki and Jesse had played uh, music, like, Nikki's boyfriend at the time and I were super close and we played in a band together and there was like a time period where the four of us were going to do a band. Um, and it was going to be going to be called, it was going to be called the group, which I thought was like a sick, like we had a band name, but there was no, and then, um, we did. We didn't have any songs or anything, but we just had this I- idea, idea of yeah. like what this band might be. And I feel like we tried to practice once, but never turned anything. But either way, I had I had played with them, and like I had I had known Kelly forever too, and had played music with her for fun. Um, and yeah, I think basically they just needed somebody that like that they knew would be a good fit, and then also was available to do the tour dates. That was already booked. Sure, yeah. Which I feel like half getting hired for a band. I said this to someone on the phone earlier. I was like, "You get hired because you're a good fit, but you have to be able to do the tour dates. Because you could be the best person for a band, but if you're you, you can't clear your schedule, or if you don't want to commit to doing all that, they just, just find somebody else. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, and then I just I'd never actually played the drums before in like a serious way. Like oh I'd shit, really? Played, yeah, I had I had a drum set, and I always lived with people who played drums. So like, there's always one in houses that I lived in. Um, but like, I could play. I'd played like on demos and things like that, or like in bands I was in. Like after practice, like everybody would s- switch up and play covers and. F- and fuck off basically um but i'd i'd only done like some shows on drums like in a punk band like that i had with some friends that was just kind of like a party band it was not a serious band whatsoever Mm -hmm. and so a part of me was like are you sure you want me to do it i don't know yeah i'll be fine but it's it's literally gonna take me like uh couple shows just to get any confidence because like, yeah. i just haven't done this and then i mean i went over and we practiced once and it just like worked and it helped that i i had seen them play so many times and like i knew all the songs like by heart basically so um you know that helped and then um yeah we went on tour basically like i joined the band and then like went on tour like within like a couple weeks of having played and it took me like first tour i feel like the first couple shows i was just like in shock because one you're in a drums you're like sitting in the back so it's like a different different kind of perspective from being on stage and uh and part of i had these like weird like just thoughts of like do i know how to set the drums up properly every night like am i gonna you know, like you don't, I don't, I didn't necessarily even, even know like, um, what I was comfortable with yet at the yeah. time. And then I'm like, I'm supposed to be in this band and play well in front of people. It was a little nerve wracking. Yeah. And, and like, that was kind of the first time normally playing music. Like I don't, I don't give a shit on stage. Like I have a level of confidence that, uh, cause usually I know what I'm doing, but I also, I also I also don't care if people think what I'm doing is good or not, like ever. Um, like, you know, I, I want to be satisfied with it. And like, I try to be present and just play as well as I can. And then, um, whatever happens is what happens. But in that moment, just on drums, I was like, I do not feel like I am in a safe place. You're out of your element. Yeah. Everything. And like, I don't, you know, like you control the tempos of the songs um, which like I didn't have a problem so much with that because like I feel like if you're used to just playing, if you're used to like leading a band in any capacity, um, I feel like you get a hang of tempos easy because like if you just sing the song for a second and you know, it's like uh that that's the tempo and then if I, oh, I don't know, there's just like weird anxiety things that you don't think about until you're in that position and then your confidence you're like i thought i was a confident player but then you realize like i have zero experience doing this so yeah. of course i have anxiety about it but then like do you know like we did the first tour that i did with them was like um i feel like it was like a three week long tour like it was pretty long and after the first week i felt like i'd been doing it forever yeah and it's i bet crazy that i feel like the confidence level you get like uh, when you're touring and playing every day versus when you're just playing shows in town, it's so much different because you're 
you're building on something within 24 hours, you know, you play show then within 24 hours you're playing again. So you're learning from what you just did and you can, you know, you can build on things so much faster and then playing in front of people that you don't know is also kind of nice. Cause you're not thinking about, you don't I feel like the first show that I played in town was weird for me because people didn't think of me as a drummer. And so I felt like some people might've been looking down their nose at me being like, why did he Classic. get picked to be in the span? Like he's not even a real drummer. Yeah. Um, which is true. But then, but you know, if you do it for a month, you're like, well, I am now, <laughs> you know, and I, I may not be, I, I can't, I can't do the Purdy shuffle, but I can play this set. As yeah. Well as anybody yeah. Can. That's all that matters. What's your first instrument? I played guitar first. But I didn't. I didn't even start playing music till I was about twenty. Really? Wow. Because I played sports growing up, and then I got a guitar for my birthday. My grandma gave me a guitar. I got a guitar for Christmas when I was thirteen or fourteen. I think I was fourteen. And then, because I always wanted to play guitar, just like I mean, like any kid, like you see Jimi Hendrix or like uh, I, I, I loved the Chili Peppers when I was a kid. So I wanted to be John. Yeah. Just thought he was like the coolest dude ever. Yeah. Um, I still, I, st- I still do think that. Yeah. I've never, I've never met him personally, but I've always wanted to. Uh... Well, I think out of all of the the '90s bands, he's the. I'll go as far as saying he's like the best guitar player of the '90s. I think from kind of that era. I know, like Chili Peppers, they they started in like the '80s, I think. Yeah, early '80s. Yeah, but um. Just as far as like his inventiveness and all of that, because he has a very particular sound. Like a player like John, he it's like the sound of his soul coming out through the instrument. You know yeah. what I mean? I th- I think when you're playing and you're playing on the most pure of nights, that's that's what it is. It's just like untapped coming straight from your soul. Yeah, it, it just feels really focused. I feel like and like um. He, I like, I mean, I pretty much like any musician that um, isn't afraid to, like, be really sloppy, whether you're, like, trained or not. I feel, you know, I don't, I was, I don't it's know a why feel I always thing. thought it's cool to watch people kind of, fu- it's not like you're fucking up, but, like, you're not trying to do the same thing that you did on a recording or at the show before or whatever. I feel like that's why people like the dead a lot, just because they don't have any regard for like what happened the other night yeah like this you know like whatever i i, I never got into grateful dead really to the last couple of years but because i just didn't get it but then now there's things about what they do on stage to where i'm like oh this is amazing and like they uh um this the band will kind of, i don't know they the, the one thing i never liked about the dead was i've always felt that the bass was like not uh I feel like Phil Esch is messing around a lot. Yeah, but, well, um, but then you're like, well, that's that's just what this band is. Yeah, that's, this is exactly. what the style is. Yeah, I um, I never really understood them until I watched the uh, the Long Strange Trip documentary. I still haven't seen that. I need to watch. It. Uh, yeah, so Scorsese produced it. Yeah, it was the, But um, once I saw that, I was like, oh shit. Okay, I kind of understand what they were going for. Like they were just straight up like. 
jamming. They just wanted to play music. Yeah. And they didn't give a fuck about making records at all. They didn't care. That that, that was more of like a consequence of yeah. going out and being able to do a tour. Yeah. Um, but the documentary is great. I strongly recommend it. As I think it's like four hours, but yeah, um, it's definitely worth watching because it takes you through, like, Jerry and Bob meeting and just kind of like the evolution of the band over the years because they had a lot of different eras. Yeah, there's like people, and I know some people that are super deadheads. They'll be talking about <laughs> different people who are in that band and i'm like who the hell is that yeah i like uh i don't know like there's a guy who was a keyboard player like later who passed away um pig pen brent midland I oh, think okay. his name. but he played he joined i want to say like late 70s but i don't know i just remember hearing someone talk about that and i'm like i don't know who the hell that is um and then but again i need i need to watch the movie and then i'll know all the characters but yeah uh, yeah, but just going back, yeah, I started playing guitar late, and then I was like, I, I got to catch up, because I became f- friends with people that, like, they all played in bands, and, like, um, you know, again, growing up, I played sports, and then I even, like, I tried to run on the cross-country team my first semester of college, and that's when I realized, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not in this, uh, I'm not, like, a, this level of an athlete, necessarily, um, I'm going to be at the bottom on this level, sure. know, no matter how much I train. And yeah. that's just the way that it is. And it comes down to genetics and, in, a, and in a way. Yeah, yeah. In a way it's like, you know, you can only be so good. And then, um, I just kind of stopped caring as much as well. And then I feel like I had, it's just a year where I just wasn't doing anything that I thought was interesting at all. And then I remember like a girlfriend had broken up with me. And partly because I wasn't doing, I probably was like a, you know, in her eyes, you're like, this guy's about to quit school and he doesn't have any hobbies. Like, yeah. What's wrong with this guy? But I mean, I love music. I was just always obsessed with music, you know, love going to shows and stuff. And then I became friends with people, I guess so did my sophomore year, um, who played in bands. And then I just like, we were hanging out one night at a diner and my buddy Prabir, he he played the guitar and he i think he'd been playing since he was 12 and he was like in my eyes he was a professional i mean you know he played in bands and and booked shows and did stuff yeah um and he like wrote down the chords like he made like a like a tablature uh to like a bunch of songs just on a piece of paper i still have the piece of paper somewhere like in a folder what songs were they um the sweater song was on there. It was all like Hell three yeah. or four chord songs. Yeah. I basic, he was like, if you want to learn how to play guitar, you need to learn the cowboy chords first. And then you need to just be able to play like real easy. So this is like the, you know, how you get from the first step to the next step. But, um, sweater song is on there. Mary Jane's last dance. Tom Petty song was on there. That's another um, big Broadway one couple other it was just stuff like that and i just like went i feel like that night i went home and then realized like oh this guitar that's been singing in a case for five years needs new strings so like i went i went to tower and got strings because they were because they were open until 12 
like you know went home after the diner needed guitar strings then i went to tower bought a pack of strings came home and then i started to learn how to play a g a c and a d yeah and uh it didn't go well at first because probably you know the guitar i'm playing probably uh the strings are probably really high and you don't realize like, it's not set up the right. pressure yeah. it, it puts on your hand and yeah your muscles aren't developed there yet but like i just obsessed over it and like i needed something to be doing in my spare time i just made i'm like i'm gonna this is what i want to do let's i'm just gonna give it a shot i just became obsessed with playing and and partially because of my friends who were so much better than me because they've been playing for years i'm like i want to be able to play with them Cause like I'd go over some, you know, my buddy Chris had a bunch of instruments at his house and people would just hang out and play like for fun if nothing was happening. And even if you're not a musician, you still need to like understand how to like play a song. Yeah. But like, yeah, I was just motivated at first. I'm like, I just want to be able to hang out when people are playing music yeah. and do it. And then, um, kind of the way I kind of use like, um, like the discipline of like having to practice at a sport i just like i'm just gonna treat playing music this way like every day you know you have like a things that you're gonna train on that you're not good at yet or whatever and you just focus on it and then i feel like guitar is easy to get good at really quickly because of the the patterns for things are all the same Mm -hmm. like you learn when you learn the bar chord shapes I mean, you could show a kid how to play a, like a full chord, and essentially you'd be like, you know, you if you get rid of this finger, now it's a minor chord. You can basically play like every song there is now, okay, just with that shape. I mean, granted, you have to move. You need to learn the C bar chord shape too, so you're not moving all over the fretboard. But anyway, I feel like when you learn the scales, like the key. Every scale is the same for every key, whereas piano, the fingering for the keys, it's all different. Which, like, that was the one thing when I learned piano. I'm like, oh my god, this is this is like serious work here, because you learn, like, the way you're playing through a scale, going up it is different than you're gonna play when you're going down as well. And then if you're doing it in C, it's this, but then the D might have a you know like yeah. literally every it requires so all the much ergonomics of the fretboard yeah and guitar is like you basically just learn these patterns and then like in six months you could be playing in front of people and look like a pro you know if you learn if you learn the blues scale so, so i don't know why for some reason people are like really impressed by that and it's it's the easiest thing that you don't need to understand anything about how music works yeah to uh to, you just to need to be able it. to listen a little bit yeah if you if you've heard songs before and if you've heard people play solos uh you learn the pentatonic scale and like uh all of a sudden now you're the coolest guy around or yeah. girl or whatever but well uh when, when i first like moved to nashville of course you like i didn't know anybody uh that did music here so i would go out to uh, there was this guy that i worked with his name was dale at this place called TQL, I was a freight broker. I've always kind of done like sales jobs. Yeah. And Dale was an old school Nashville Nashville musician, keyboard player, great keyboard player. 
And he was like, well, you got to go out to a Blues Jam so you can meet some players. Yeah. And so I started going out to the Blues Jams, and like I've talked about it a little bit on a, a lot on the podcast. But Kara Lippman, she had this jam on Tuesday nights. It was the Tuesday night uh, pro Blues Jam. Yeah. At uh at the local, which or at the country, which was like a bar right over by Vanderbilt behind that McDonald's. It's like in that general area, um, out on West End, over by the Parthenon. Like by Parthenon. Yeah. Is it an old bar? I've never been. No, it well, it's close to Springwater. Yeah. So I went up there. I was so afraid, dude. I've never been so afraid to play the blues in my life. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like all of these players that were playing at her jam, they were like pro-level people that were good. And they just let like, let anybody come up at some point? So like, you, have to, you sign up? Not entirely. Kara... She would feel you out. Like, I've been to that jam and she's pulled people off the stage before who yeah. couldn't hang. And it's like you go up for two or three songs. And she's singing? She's, she's a she's a singer, so she has her, her house band. Yeah. And then she's the organizer of the jam. Yeah. So, like, she plays played, like, a 45-minute set and then everybody would go up. It's how I met our buddies, The Reveal. So Dustin and Josh is how I, yeah. I got, kind of met a lot of the people that I know today. Um, but it, it, it's like you decide what songs you're going to play up on stage. Sometimes it's just straight up blues songs. Not all blues jams are created equal. Some of the like the I've older, never been to one. You should go, man. There, there's a really like, cool one uh, at Pop Attorneys out on Percy Priest Lake. And... Um, the guys who run that, it's this band called Three Bean Soup, and they're like a New Orleans-style blues funk. Cool. Um, like a meters-ish sort of thing? Exactly, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so, But yeah, all these different jams, I just saw like different players, and I also saw the way that different musicians are. And it's like I started to realize all of the instrument stereotypes are, are true. Yeah. You know, because um, it's like there's just guys who it's like you get up on stage and they call a song. It's like there's this one particular dude at this one jam who always calls. He's like, let's do the fucking um, Joe Cocker version of the letter. It's like I've never heard that fucking right. version in my life. <laughs> and he's like getting mad at you on stage. Well, I'm like, what are the changes for the bridge? Yeah. He's like, just follow me. And I'm like. I can try, but I have to. I, I'm the bass player. That it doesn't yeah. work that way. You have to tell me what they yeah. are. Um, yeah, everyone should be following me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they, they, they just want it to be perfect. And a lot of them, it's like some of the dudes that go out to these jams. This is like the one time that they go out to play. Sure, there's you, a lot on the line. Yeah, yeah. There's a, a lot on the line for them. Um, there have been times, dude. There, I have died a million slow painful deaths playing a slow blues yeah just bombing bass notes and it's three fucking notes yeah. you know how embarrassing that is it's horrible yeah Even, i've done i've had that happen many times where yeah you're playing the easiest song in the world and you're like what am, what am i doing i think yeah. sometimes you don't fo like it's seemingly because you think like oh it's just one four five and then i'll just walk in between and then you aren't focusing maybe as much as you should and all of a sudden you're I like, gotta count in six not in four I just played the, I just played the four chord instead of the instead of the five for yeah. some reason 
Oh yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, had, I had a but million. some blues song like some people will do. This is like you know, it's the challenge of when you're playing with people that you're not. You one, you're playing music with people you haven't actually played before. Yeah. But like sometimes people will play a verse a little shorter or like. Um, There's a million different versions of blues songs. Yeah, and I've noticed like even with like a Chuck Berry kind of song where um like i can't think of a song exact but like a lot of times people will go will do like a turnaround chord where um at the in the verse it stays on the 5 and then it goes and then the chorus it just goes back to one that's not and people will want to do like a one four kind of turnaround in between where it's not. But if you're like, I'm playing the song. Yeah. And and everyone else is like adding in the other thing though. It's confusing. Cause then you're like, well, do I start to do that? Or like if, if I change and then if I do that, are they going to just play the five next time? Because they realize like, Oh yeah. But there's like, there's a lot of tropes I feel like that people will do, and a lot of songs like are s- simpler than you think they are, or like if you don't listen closely enough. Like somebody was telling me the story about they had worked with with Bob Dylan once, like in a on a session, and Dylan was complaining about how um, when people play the the muddy water song uh oh fuck i'm forgetting which song it is but it's the just a song with the guitar if it's like uh they'll play like they won't play the third like they'll do it in a in a pentatonic way so it's like um the third is f- is flatted mhm but in the song, it's not like it's just not. But like maybe you know, like Led Zeppelin or someone else doing that song, and they don't do it that way. But Dylan's just complaining. It was like that's not how the song goes. Yeah, like it's it swings over this note, and it actually is from here to here. But anyway, I, th- I think about that a lot though. Whatever I'm playing with people, and you're like, Cause like in one sense it doesn't it doesn't matter especially if it's like a jam scenario yeah. where you're like yeah you know, they're not gonna call the times and say this band didn't didn't perform this song properly like yeah. we need we need to call the police on them um, sometimes it but, feels that way but it, yeah but then you're <laughs> but you are feeling you're like what are we doing up here like yeah I learned the song or I you know like. You know, like your ego gets in the way, and you're like, "I know how this song goes. Oh, yeah. I've I've sat and listened to this song, you know, many times, and and it's fun to call people out in a way, because then you look like you know what you're doing. But sometimes it's trivial, it doesn't matter. But it, yeah, it's we feel like your confidence level though in the show of like if you're not doing what everyone else is doing, then it feels like maybe I shouldn't be up here. Yeah. With them. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Logan Hatcher, he's a, a bass player here in town. He plays a, don, a ton down on Broadway. Great player. He came on the podcast and he said, uh, there's the right way, the wrong way, and the broad way to oh, play funny. a song. And I, I, I always thought that was kind of funny. That's and, what my track coach in high school would say. What would he say? Well, there was the, 
like there was the Benedictine way. That was the name of my high school, but that's what he'd always complain about that. He was like, don't do it the Benedictine way. But then I'd be like, so, but if there's three ways though, there's a right way, a wrong way, the Benedictine way. Do, are we picking between doing it like right and wrong? Yeah. Then like if we do it wrong, is that okay? Or do we have to do? Well, it's in context of kind of like what I was talking about with Logan, we were talking about take it easy by the Eagles Yeah. because in that song right at the, the end on like the last verse, it goes to an a minor there and it, I think it's like an a minor, but it doesn't go there any other time in the song. Just the first verse, the last verse. Oh yeah. Um, and he always is like as the second chord. Uh, I can't remember which chord it is, but somewhere in the in yeah. that last verse, they they go to like a different chord change. They don't go to anywhere yeah. else in the song. It's like the Beatles trick, right? Um, but uh, he said he always is like on stage when he's playing with new people. He's finding out okay, which way are we gonna do it? Because <laughs> yeah. I need I need to know because yeah. I'm the bass player. Yeah, I don't want to be the only person playing a. Yeah. But I, I always kept, thought that was kind of funny. And, like, at the Blues Jams, um, George Porter Jr. from the Meters talked about this. But, you know, uh, Sissy Strutt, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've read an article where he's saying it was like nobody play. everybody adds, like, an extra note to it. Yeah, during the bump. But I'm space yeah, there. yeah. Well, that's what makes yeah. it funky. You know? I, I remember reading that, and then I went and played along with a song because I'm like, which way do I do it? Yeah. I don't remember if I played it correctly or not. Yeah. Yeah, and half the time, whenever you play that song, no one goes to the, the four during the solo either. But there is somebody else playing, like, the keyboard is doing something on that beat, maybe, and that's why people's brains Ears, get yeah. tricked into yeah, thinking yeah. that it's happening elsewhere. That's, like, the that's so funny because that song, because there's no vocals... Like, you, but there's nothing to get in the way of being able to hear, like, everything and playing exactly right yeah but i've noticed like when i'm learning something when i was younger i feel like i'd get so excited when you're learning stuff that like you kind of you'll skip ahead in a way and then like you end up missing a few things just because you're so glad to be playing as opposed to like maybe i should listen to this song like five more times and just make sure there's not like a little nuanced thing happening yeah i think for me it depends on the gig because it's like truthfully whenever i do something again it depends it depends on the gig but like most of the time when i'm learning a song i learn it like 80 percent of the way i make sure i get all the changes down and i make sure i get like w- like some of the little nuances yeah. for the bass part where it's like this has to be here. Yeah, um, if it's got a little fill or just something that's slightly different. And plus on bass it's nice if you're like I could do something different. Yeah. For this part that that's exciting. Yeah. You can get away from the bass line for just a moment. Yeah, I, I played with um the Weird Sisters for a little while. They're they're a great band here in Nashville yeah. and uh, for a long time, they didn't have a bass player. It was just Gabby playing keys, like keys bass. Okay. So some of their older songs, I was playing them with them. There wasn't even like bass guitar on them. Yeah. So I was doubling a lot of her parts, and I'm yeah. like, "Well, is this what I'm doing here?" And she's just like, "That sounds right." <laughs> and, and so it's just like, "Okay, well, I guess we'll just make it up as we go and just feel it out." But yeah, um, dude, I appreciate you so much for doing this. Yeah, it's for fun. Com- for coming over and, and talking. Where can people find you at? Like on on the on, social media, on world? the social media, yeah. Well. 
I mean, I'm trying not to be found there, but uh, I have this like dream that once this record's over, I won't have to participate in social media anymore. <laughs> um, Mama Sue official on on Instagram, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's where I'm trying to get more people to go there. I, I don't I don't like participating in social media anymore. I feel like it's just like a lot of clutter and like uh, a lot of bullshit people have to sift through and I don't I don't want to add to the stuff. Fair enough. But uh it's like it's like a fight when you're in there too cuz you're like I just want to I got to get on Instagram and check like you know your messages or whatever. But then you're bombarded with like all this shit you have to get through and then of people sliding I'll in your forget. dms asking you to come on a podcast no, no, no. no but like that's what I, like that's what i want yeah, you know, yeah. i, I want to be talking to people not like you get on there uh and then um you, you just get sidetracked so fast yeah and you're like i'm just being sold shit well Every, they're everywhere you look well yeah it's, it's basically like one giant ad anytime you yeah. pull up any kind of social media on your phone it's like i think i've gotten I, I want to say I'm I'm numb to it, but I wonder how many decisions I make a day that are based on like I saw in a McDonald's yeah. ad six hours earlier without realizing it, and then I'm like, I want McDonald's today. Well, I think it's crazy. Like we live, like when I was a kid, and I've I've lived on on both sides of this world. Like we had the internet. I feel like when I was in college, but it was not what the internet is now. Sure. Um, well, it's in your pocket and now. And social media did not exist yet. Um, or it, it did it like a primitive form, but it wasn't like this. But like, uh, you know, people would complain about watching TV and sitting through ads. Like if you're watching Seinfeld or, you know, you have to watch the ads. Yeah. And that's like but the worst part. And then I feel like now we like, it's like people, whether they know it or not, some maybe people like looking at that shit all the time, but like you literally just look at uh, some somebody's selling you something like everywhere. And then, mm-hmm. but then it's this weird catch 22 of like, if you don't want to participate, if you want to share what you're doing, it's that's really, that's the only place. That's where people are at. Like, yeah. where are you going to do, unless you can, Unless you're famous already and you can get on television, <laughs> yeah. like it, you don't have a choice. Yeah, and even then, you still have to be on social media to tell people I'm going to be on Fallon next. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Tune in. Like they're not going to let me on the show unless I get people. Yeah, to watch. you promote it. Yeah, it's just weird. Like, I feel like uh, I I try to like quit using social media like as much as like i made this rule to where i'm i'm not allowed to scroll like i can open the app up you can use facebook or use instagram i don't use twitter anymore i don't i don't know what's going on there but yeah i don't know it seems like it's it'll be gone yeah yeah well the the whole internet you know it's a thing but But, dude thank you so much for coming on yeah, I, I really fun. do appreciate it. It was a great time talking to you. Yeah, hopefully I didn't go out and uh, waste anyone's time. No, it was fantastic. Keep on dreaming. See you next week.
explain.